2021 was a year to remember. There was unstoppable online growth, uh, yet there was demand for physical retailing. There were changes in executive leadership and some passings in the fashion world. Uh, but after all, there were still really amazing stories that WWD told throughout the year, and there were some surprises, too. Welcome to WWD Voices, where we share the latest fashion, apparel, and retail industry insights. Welcome to WWD Voices. I'm Arthur Zakowitz, Executive Editor of WWD. And today, as part of uh, the Retail's Responsible Reset series with Accenture, we'll be featuring uh, co-host Evan Clark and WWD Style Director uh, Alex Badia. Uh, today, we're going to look back at the past year. Uh, Alex and Evan will be sharing their most surprising news stories, trends, and events of 2021. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks, Arthur. Thanks, Arthur. It's great to see you. Uh, I hope, you know, I mean, looking back at 2021, it was there was a lot of stuff going on, but I'm looking forward to 2022. I, you know, I just, uh, it's, you know, we have to think ahead and then maybe things will be uh, safer and uh, the pandemic that doesn't want to end will maybe end. But Evan, let's start with you. What was, let's share your first most surprising story. Well, I, I think you, you have a little, you have a touch of optimism in the way you kind of brought into that. I'm going to, I'm going to ratchet it back down a little bit because I think one of the most surprising things to me is and despite it, we've had uh, the pandemic, all the attendant supply chain problems, there's been political dysfunction, there's been so much stuff going on. And I'm frankly surprised at how good things have been in the economy. I think, you know, sales are up, stocks are up, there are jobs, and it all makes me a little bit nervous. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of this has come from government stimulus, and there's a lot, you know, and I think given the shock that the entire world has had that really things are chugging along the way they are is surprising to me and i don't know what happens you know that whole thing you know when uh wily coyote runs sure. off the cliff in the road runner and he stands there for a minute and then looks down and that's what you know you're coming into 2022 with optimism but i'm wondering if that isn't the moment when we look down and things start falling mm, i mean so you have you have, te I think you have tempered optimism because you have to be cautious, right? Yeah, I think I, and I, so, so that, that I think is one of the, the really surprising things. So it's, there is, there's a plus side to that, right? Of that things are still really hanging in, but I think we're, we're going to need the economy to, is, is going to need time to absorb all of this. And there's government stimulus and all this kind of stuff going on, the Omicron variant, what's that mean? What, what's True. all this? Yeah. You know, I, 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 that's why I just, I wonder if the holidays aren't the last hurrah and then people kind of go, go away for a while. Mm. Alex, so, so you're, Alex, you're in Europe right now, right? Yeah. So what's the sense over there with, I guess, the economy and the pandemic? What's going on? Well, I also I always feel that uh, when you're in America, um, you really feel this sense of of people consuming, right? Obviously, it's the Christmas holiday here. People are shopping. I see people shopping everywhere. But the true consuming behavior always comes in from America. I think for me, um, what's interesting in terms of the news is what you said, Evan, about how. People are consuming how retail is really working out. People are shopping. 
But for me, what was very interesting is to look at a company like Saks Fifth Avenue and look at a company like Neiman Marcus, the two mm. big luxury players, two taking two completely different routes to succeed and to f- for future. One is d- dividing the company into sort of betting on the e-commerce side of it. Well, Neiman Marcus is going completely different. He's going old school. One thing that for me was very insightful is to see that people are going to stores. People are shopping. I mean, the idea that retail is dead is foolish. Retail is not dead. I mean, I I think that was for me one of the surprising things of 2020 that is relating to Evan, what Evan said, basically. So, so, uh, Neiman Marcus is interesting because I was thinking about them a lot. They, Mm -hmm. you know, they're reinventing or reinvented themselves during the pandemic. Right. So they, and, and they're, they were using things that are, are kind of counterintuitive to traditional business corporate America, which is they're applying empathy and a sense of belonging, you know, across the organization, right? They have the, the first open, um, you know, again, major CEO is he's, he's out of the closet. He's, you know, he, it's a inclusive environment. And I, I've never seen, I was never, I've been shocked and amazed and humbled by what they've been doing. I also feel it's going to be very interesting to see who is right. Maybe both of them are right. Yeah. But um, how um, like Saks is really betting on the e-commerce side of things really, really strongly. I mean, I'm not saying that Neiman doesn't, but the fact that they split it in two companies is very telling. Right. I would like to see what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that that's one of the really kind of interesting um, experiments happening right now of, you know, can you operate? You know, that, and that this has been in the air for six, seven years, whereas I think, you know, the small e-commerce companies are getting these huge valuations and these big retailers are saying, oh, we have this e-commerce company over here. That's a small part of what we do, you know. So I think it's separating those two out in a way of, you know, will is Saks's e-commerce, does it does it work on its own? Um, you know, and I think it'll it it's interesting because Macy's is feeling that pressure. Kohl's is feeling that pressure. But there's also people who kind of maybe circling back to your initial point, Alex, are saying that this is going to be an opportunity for the bricks and mortar side to really shine, that that will, this will this will be a, a time where, you know, retailers, the re, it's a structure that lets the retail operation get back to doing what it does to being stores to creating that in-store experience and not worry about all the e-commerce stuff so it, it it's one of those it's seismic you know kind of things that's passing through the industry but but isn't and then i'm curious if you know for both of you to kind of weigh in on this like a physical store is just not i mean it goes beyond just like touching and feeling a product right it's to me it's where you experience a brand right um, or, or what is the role? I guess that's my question. What is the role of a physical store, Alex? I mean, I do think that for me, I mean, it's kind of very funny because at the same time, we hear so much about the, the metaverse and the, and the NFTs and you hear all about these kind of like imaginary alternative universe, but then <laughs> people want to go to the store at the same time. They want to try things on. It's very interesting when you have those People that I personally don't appreciate comments like, oh, the fashion show is dead. You know, they keep on telling me, oh, there's going to be no more shows. It's all going to be digital. And then you see the Balenciaga show. They do red carpet. 
they do a major event with uh, the, like live, live streaming and also displaying the Simpsons in a physical theater and it's a global event. And what are you talking about? It, it, nothing is dead. I mean, in real life shows, are, we'll stay here forever. I mean, it's just, that's the same thing with, for me with the stores. Yes, obviously, we all shop online. Of, yes. But will you, I, mean, I, I don't know, do you, uh, do you want to go sh- shopping and then have lunch with a friend when, if we ever are out of this pandemic? Of course. I mean, I mean it's just like, it, there is room for everything. And I do think that both worlds will help each other. I do think that online sales can survive and will survive. But I think that you going to a store helps the online sale as well. Because I am a shopper and I use both to, to, for, to sort of like understand my choices better as a shopper. Is it Evan, Evan, don't they call it the halo effect or something, right? When you go and you shop and you spend money, then, oh, in a physical store, then it's like, oh, well, they have online. Right. You, you, it, 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 it creates that's like the larger, a, a larger business there. You know, what made me think, though, from what Alex was just saying was the... Um, I think that the 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 physical stores will be a revelation at some point here, especially because there there yes, e-commerce is a big business and yes, that's where you can kind of if you're looking for a specific thing, you can log on at any time and get it and it will be sent to you. But I think after being everyone's been so close and kind of locked up for so long now and we're kind of to this point where we have a generation of very young shoppers who were already inclined towards e-commerce and now haven't been out at stores for a while, I think there will be a moment, hopefully that's in 2022. If not, it's kind of beyond at some point where the world goes back out to the store and realizes that there's more than just one one or two senses are being activated. You're not just seeing it. You're not just hearing the brand. You know, you're kind of feeling it. You're in the environment and, and and there's a synthesis there. I kind of think that you're going to get 23-year-old kids who are going to be in kind of a luxury store, or a, 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 a nicer kind of em- environment for the first time and think, wow, this is amazing. And then kind of feel like they invented it. And then that will, then we'll see this new, this new turn of retail. <laughs> Interesting. Alex, any other, what was another surprising headline or story or trend that you saw this past year? I mean, obviously, for me, what was mind blowing was uh, Daniel Lee leaving Bottega Veneta. Um, we're talking about like uh, the biggest, one of the biggest success stories, l- leaving a brand at the peak of fame, at its peak of sales. It made absolutely no sense, and it, it really, it was the a beginning of a chain reaction of gossip and news stories, and and really just people trying to figure it out what went wrong. So, you know? so w- what went wrong? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's still, it's nothing official. I mean, one thing that is clear is that Bottega Benetta, Daniel Lee, I don't know exactly what happened, but what I can tell you is that in a very short span of time, in an incredibly saturated market of ideas and media, was able to create a whole new identity for a luxury brand and skyrocket the sales for Bottega Benetta, that it was kind of a chic dormant brand that, and it became basically the hottest fashion brand and in accessories became the number one seller in shoes and bags. And as you all know, as we all know, that is 
a very difficult thing to do, in especially in a very small period of time. Well, well there's a lesson there, right? I think you, that's interesting. You said that the, I think the industry often gets homogenous, right? So it's to feed off itself. Everything looks the same. So you have to stop, you know, kind of reconsider and, and take a risk, right? Yeah, I also feel that it is such a, it's basically a blueprint of for brands. I mean, he just chose a color green, regular green that was always there. And then it was kind of an ugly green, to be honest. And I don't know, it's just, it just decided, okay, this is going to be the major color and not follow Pantone, not follow anyone. Then deleted the Instagram. It's like Instagram is like, tacky bye-bye no instagram and then didn't follow a, most of didn't show in milan at times didn't show did what he what he wanted but um it everybody followed him so i don't know i mean the power of social media yes the power of whatever yes it is about original ideas it's about sticking to your guns and it's about being one of a kind and and he was able to do it I mean, obviously, when you have the machine of Bottega Benetta and the know-how and the artisanal craftsmanship behind you, it's all going to be way easier. But there is room for creativity. There is room for newness in fashion every day. So, so the same. Um, I mean, we, Evan, we could look at retail and say, you know, there's a lot of sameness out there. There's a lot of maybe we're overstored. Well, who who do you think Evan is kind of like doing it right and kind of like, you know, kind of breaking those patterns and, and, you know, kind of homogenous, um, landscape in, in retail. Well, that's, that's actually, a, I, that's an open question. I haven't spent a lot of times in, in stores over the past two years. You know, I, I think that that's, I almost don't pre- feel horribly prepared to answer that question because, uh, it, it's been a whole new world. I mean, obviously I've been out and I've seen some, some stores, but I go out, I go out to New York and it's still the times I've been in the city itself and seen the stores, the stores have largely been closed or I haven't, it's, that's not been the mission to go in. So I, I think that's, you know, all of this is also playing out in a very particular time and, and place that we're, we're all at. So I think, um, and I think there's also a lot of, you know, we spoke a little bit about Neiman Marcus. Like, there's some companies Neiman Marcus went bankrupt last year, and now they're they're back. You know, J Crew is another company that you know kind of went through the bankruptcy ringer, and and last year we saw this whole this whole churn of sort of companies that were for maybe for because of their investors or because whatever had had too much debt and went bankrupt and now they're coming back and giving new looks and 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 see you know so there's a revitalization that you know we talked about at it Alex I think very eloquently kind of laid out the scene at Bottega Veneta but you know we're seeing revitalization or change or churn or something throughout the industry do do you think it's the it's you you said investors like I want to think of Neiman Marcus they were perhaps unfairly saddled with a lot of debt um, what's the what's the future of retail from that from the private equity investment perspective? Do you think? Well, you know, one of the interesting things that somebody said to me from private equity with, was that we were talking about all of these uh, IPOs that we've seen. So there's been a huge number, a kind of record number of fashion retail companies coming to the public markets for the first times. A lot of big names: Warby Parker, Allbirds. Uh, rent the runway. A lot of these kind of really the 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 darlings of the past decade um, 
have come to the the public markets and, that, and that's just the tip of the iceberg there's been there's been dozens of companies um and the getting is good right now on wall street you know investors are wanting to spend on consumer companies but it's and the market's at a high so anyone who happens to own or have has invested in one of these companies wants it to be sold now's a good time to sell but I don't know if necessarily now is a good time for these companies to be public. And I was speaking to someone in private equity and they say, I look at all these IPOs and I see my deal flow in two years. So I, you know, I, I don't know if uh, you've got the, the wall street is a big stage with bright lights and a lot of pressure, pressure, you know, to make money, to keep growing, to be giving something to the, to the pub, to the public investor out there and uh, not everyone's going to make it. Not everyone's going to thrive in that environment. So I think we investors are keen on consumers and new and consumer in new ways. Uh, and that might, though, some of these companies might kind of go up, going kind of go back down to I guess you may call like the minor leagues, get a n- more change, and kind of the churn comes through. But Arthur, one of the actually one of the other big stories that I was thinking of uh, is, is sort of in this area was there was a deal and it was so long ago now you almost forget about it but l catterton big private equity company along with some investment from lvmh or related funds bought birkenstock this year and you know this is a little bit of history when i was writing about this you know it's the germany's largest footwear manufacturer and they traced their origin back to 1774 right with Johann Adam Birkenstock was listed as a cobbler in church archives some, somewhere. It's like one of the oldest um, longstanding companies. And, you, you know, it was a brand that sort of the hippie crunchy crowd was into when, when I, you know, when I was in school. And that's how I've always associated with it. And I'm still, frankly, I, I get it. I know it's been heating up, but it's just it's fascinating me to see it at the white hot center of the luxury world <laughs> right it's it's required wearing in in vermont <laughs> but it's, right, gr- yeah. it's and, grown and, <laughs> it was always that so and you know since um you know alex we've got you here can you just place birkenstock in the luxury firmament for me or, or in the designer world like what what's the What's the place of this brand? Yeah, I mean, first of all, there is so many convergent um, trends that are on their favor. Obviously, we are all, it's kind of like when you think of Patagonia, okay? So there is that, yes, there's granola that you always think in your mind, the kumbayas, that the people that, that tree huggers back in the day, that right now is basically the law of the land. Patagonia, um, you see it worldwide. It also signifies a kind of like belief system that is very respected today and it crosses tribes. So you have tribes of people, you can, you, the streetwear, the, 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 the hippie, that whatever, it's just a connector. It connects everybody. Like it's like denim, you know? So I do think that that is a very powerful brand, a very powerful product. I do think the fact that they're ugly initially, the thought that they're ugly, I helped them a ton because it redefines what beauty is for a new generation. I mean, Gen Z thinks that they discovered the, the Birkenstocks. I thought I discovered Birkenstocks in the year 1999. And um, 
probably my parents thought they discovered Birkenstock in the 1970s. So I do think that it, for me, it was also seen as a, as a, as a shoe that German tourists came when they came to Barcelona, my hometown, where I grew up, they were wearing. So it was kind of like that kind of a funny, ugly shoe that in a way has a cool element. But I do think that their history, their idea that are basically that nature-loving, there is a sense of transparency also that you get from that kind of a product that appeals a lot to a young generation. I do think it's important to see that they are connectors. You see it and then you see people doing expensive collaborations and you, wherever you go, they're there. They connect different type of people. It, it is kind of like a very safe bet. Yeah. Yeah, Alex, I want I want to talk about the passing of Virgil and you, you guys were close. Tell me about the first time you met and how um you know, how you were struck by him. I first met Kanye West. Um I want to say that maybe no, it was maybe the year 2002. Um I was doing a story on Rockaware um and through Rockaware uh, Damon Dash, I don't know if you guys remember Damon Dash, um, and I became quick, uh, fast friends. And his wife at that time was Rachel Roy, still a good friend of mine. And they had this protege that it was a skinny kid, really shy and obsessed with fashion. And I thought that was kind of interesting because he was wearing pastel color polo shorts, shirts, one inside another. And it was kind of what the preppy kids did in Barcelona. And I thought, that's so random. And then when he found that I work at Women's Way Daily, he would not stop talking to me. And then I basically just kind of thought, oh, he's really talented, really obsessed with fashion. He did tell me, I'm going to work in fashion one time, at one point. And then through the years, I kept on seeing him here and there. And then one time that I saw him, uh, it was at an event in Paris, uh, a fashion event. He was with Virgil Abloh. And they were young, so was I, <laughs> and um, we just met. And then Virgil at that point was his stylist, his creative director. It was not clear. Uh, they were going through Europe, in Paris, going to shows, meeting with people. Uh, he was. I met him at an APC appointment. He was becoming friends with the designer of APC that now were really good friends with Virgil and with Kanye. And, um, and then... We st- then he, we I knew that he was doing little fashion projects on his own, and then th- we started doing stories on him when he did little. As I said, he had what was the name of that brand? My God, um, Ben Thrill that he did with Heron Preston and Matthew Williams. And then this is when I met Heron Preston and Matthew Williams. That's the power of Women's Wear Daily. Just because when they did something, we were the first ones there, and because I had a friendship with him, I was the one who did it. And then we started having this relationship, this work friendship. And then it became like, it was incredible for me to witness his growth, you know, from Off-White to LV. But to be honest, to go to be Miami and, and see that show, that it was so sad, it was so touching. And to understand the legacy of someone at that level, it is hard to understand someone's legacy when they die suddenly and when they are in the middle of a, of their career. It's difficult to see the real impact. I think Virgil Abloh's impact in fashion is going to be long lasting. And um, it is very sad. Um, it's a sad, uh, it's, 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 it, it was a sad event, to be honest. But I do think that um, 
it was um, it was the beginning of understanding that it, this really is transformative for fashion in terms of the industry. And um, and I think that LV is in a, in a tricky position right now in order to replace him. Uh, we know that 95% of the collection for fall winter in Paris has been designed. So the January show in Paris, whatever it is, because we don't know if the shows are going to happen now because of Omicron, will be a, a Virgil Abloh show. But um, I think they're going to be in a tough position trying to replace him. Who is going to take from him is is going to be hard. Evan, any? Um, we just have you know a few minutes left, but any any other? Yeah, you know. Well, I, I was I was going to bring up Virgil too, but maybe just sort of semi related to that. I think uh, it makes me. You're right, Alex. Very much like gauging what the the impact of Virgil is is is, is sort of impossible at this moment. But one of the things that he really had a played a part in is bringing streetwear really into focus in a designer and kind of luxury sphere. And we've seen that. We've seen Supreme was sold to VF, and and that's been kind of a developing business. Um, I'm one of the things I'm thinking about for this year, but then also kind of going out into the future is where is streetwear in luxury now? Has it evolved? Has it? Is it just morphing into something else? What is it? Where's streetwear and luxury today? Is it maturing, right? I, I, I also feel that um, there's some things that, that I, I don't think they will go away. I, I mean, I just think that it's a, a new way of understanding um, what people want. I mean, obviously, will we always be obsessed with Supreme? Absolutely not. But I do think the idea of the, this youth energy in, in fashion, especially in menswear, is, is going to stay. I, I just don't see this being going, going away. And, and sp- speaking of menswear, uh, what's the story there? I mean, it made a remarkable resurgence, I think, this past year, right? Is it? Yeah. Do you see it it's still on a trajectory? I mean, the truth is that for menswear, the only way is up. I mean, I do think that it, it, it all started with the sh- with shoes and the sneakers, and people understood that. Wait a minute, there is a huge consumer out there that is not being looked after, and that's menswear. And it's only the beginning. I mean, I do really see it. The growth is 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 tremendous in terms of like. I mean, Evan and I talk about uh, outerwear uh, in terms of like the Montclairs of the world being the next step. You do see a lot of growth in outerwear right now for menswear, and um, because it's very related to sneakers, you know. But at the epicenter is shoes for men's, and um, it's kind of great. I, um, I I was just looking up this before we started taping the top Google trends of search terms for 2021 and styling, and I'm going to read the top three or four. And I would love to get your reaction. The first one is how to style straight leg jeans. Oh my god! Like don't 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 they style themselves? I mean, what? <laughs> that's what happened when you've been wearing skinny jeans forever, and you that skinny jeans need to be burned in a pile. <laughs> They're gross. Unless I use, unless you're from Norway, forget it. You can not okay. wear skinny jeans at all. I understand people don't know how to wear how to style regular jeans, but the five hundred ones that we grew up with. Those are the straight leg jeans, so it's not that okay. difficult. 
All right. And then the second one, this is actually for Alex again, because um, uh, Evan and I, for people don't know, we don't have any hair. So the second most styled term was how to style a wolf haircut. First off, what's a wolf haircut? Uh, it's basically <laughs> a wolf haircut is things that are it basically is a pompadour. Oh, okay. All right. It's basically, that's what it is. It's just, I mean, it's, it's it's remarkable. I should have done this Google. This is a great story, Arthur. Yeah, I'll, you should check it out. And then I the, mean, the... I could teach anyone how to style a pompadour. I, that was all my 20s, you know? Uh, and then the third most searched for term in 2021 in how to style is how to style a corset. Yeah. <laughs> a corset. I mean, I have to tell you one thing. I'm sorry that I'm talking so much at this moment, but uh, it, the corsets are humongous in women's wear. Okay. It's right. humongous right now. Um, it, if you have an outstanding corset, you're there. But this, again, it's like the, the return of the odds, the, the, the early 2000s is the return of the corset. It's a huge okay. spring-summer trend. Uh, and then number four is how to style rings, which I get because my daughter, she's collecting a lot of rings and, you know, they're everywhere. So that, that makes sense. That makes uh, sense. But, I mean, uh, we know the power of jewelry. We do so many issues in, at Women's Wear right now when it comes to jewelry. It's it's on fire as a category. Yeah. And anything that is accessories and, and jewelry related is going to be doing so well. And it's stuck in g- uh, g- um, rings like a, diff- like a wardrobe in your hand right. is definitely the way to go. And then number five, lastly, is how to style a sweater vest. (laughs) Evan, I have to ask you, do you have a sweater vest in your closet? I do not have a sweater vest. (laughs) Okay. No. (laughs) But if I do, I'm coming to you, Alex. All right. This is uh, ridiculous. Let me tell you. I mean, how many times do you wear a vest? I mean, come on. These people need to get it. They need to get it together. That's what they need to do. This is so insightful. uh, Thank you, Arthur. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. That's all I got today. Um, Gentlemen, thank you so much. Any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? No? I just personally cannot wait to see what happens in 2022. Obviously, I want COVID to disappear right this second. But I do think that we're in a very interesting fashion moment in retail and in fashion in general as a business. Okay. Evan? Yeah. Now I, I I'm with Alex, and I just hope the business side of things hold hold together uh, long enough to kind of realize that. But uh, no, I think I think we are um, I think we're on the way back up, and then at some point, you know, next year when we do this wrap up, we can all be sitting in the same room. Okay. All right. I hope so. With that note, <laughs> uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, you know, keep checking back with us. We'll have new episodes, uh, and thank you, Accenture, for supporting us in this uh, series. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. Bye. Ready, reset, grow. Accenture helps beauty brands and retailers around the globe embrace change to seize the future. Learn how leading beauty companies partner with Accenture to focus on the new consumer and to become inclusive and sustainable organizations. Visit Accenture.com backslash consumer goods.